You are listening to In Construction Influencers, a podcast for the Indiana construction and real estate development community. We give you access to the brightest minds in the Indiana construction space, and through their personal stories, listeners will gain awareness to the most innovative construction projects in the state. And I am Nate Lally. With over 25 years in the construction industry, I started this podcast because I'm passionate about building relationships and wanted to share some of the conversations with you. Before we continue, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Hey everyone, I wanted to let you know that I've partnered with A Perfect Promotion to bring you this podcast. You've probably seen their work around central Indiana and might not have even known Paige and Liz with A Perfect Promotion do branded apparel, swag, and promotional products for the construction industry here in Indy. I've personally relied on them for a variety of needs over the years, and they're great to work with. From high-vis safety gear for the guys in the field to on-trend apparel for my office folks, trade show giveaways and golf outings, they've even saved me more than once when I procrastinated my corporate holiday gift purchases. A Perfect Promotion goes above and beyond with a customized strategic approach to supporting branding needs as a whole, instead of just being order takers. Working with them is easy. They're creative and make the process fun and simple so that I can stay focused on more business-critical tasks. Reach out to Liz. Her email is in the description box below. I'm always happy to make an introduction. I'm excited you're joining me today on this episode of In Construction Influencers, and I'm Nate Lelly. Today, we are talking with Mike Thibodeau, Vice President of Workforce Strategies at Hamilton County Economic Development Corporation. Thanks for being on, Mike. Yeah, happy to be here. You've been in workforce for at least three years in that uh, that training, that thought process um, at ICR, Indiana Chamber, and now the Hamilton County. How is that going? What's What are you doing at Hamilton County? Yeah, so Hamilton County, uh, our, our Economic Development Corporation is really interesting in that um, our cities are so strong that they drive a really um, big part of our site selection and corporate, you know, business attraction. You know, I'm Megan Baumgartner was a guest on your show from Fishers. That's a great example of a really high performing off. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. ...that we work in cooperative coordination with, but that they really drive their own business attraction and site selection. And for most of my peers across the state who are working in economic development, that's probably about you know, 50 to 75% of what they do is focusing on bringing businesses to the community. So we have an interesting role within the community in that we support those cities as they do that work, but we primarily focus on countywide workforce priorities and social determinants of health. So things like housing, transportation, um, broadband, veterans work, um, you know, to an extent, mental health, uh, and then, you know, education and workforce development and meeting our county's employer workforce needs um, is a top concern. And, th- and that also includes 
just continuing to grow the population of our community in a way that meets local workforce needs and is collaborative with business interests, but also just community engage, you know, community interests and uh, kind of where those places want to go. Because uh, we know we have a great quality of life here in general, and that's a great product that we want to sell to continue to expand our workforce. Yeah, you certainly have a great quality of life in Hamilton County. And, and it seems like that would be somewhat of an easy sell when you're out talking to people to come to move to Hamilton County, come join our um, corporations, our businesses, our healthcare systems. Is it a tough sell for you? Uh, no, I, so I, it's not at all. Honestly, it's a pretty <laughs> it's a pretty great product to be selling. Um, I think we have we have seen, you know, every marketing campaign we do when we look at our migration patterns, we're doing a great job bringing people in from Chicago, but we're also seeing people move from California, from Colorado, from uh, really all over the country, people coming here. And, and I think one thing that's really unique to our businesses as well, you know, when you look at, I've been doing corporate engagement now across the state for, for quite a while, and businesses having difficulty getting people to move to Indiana is a pretty common theme that you actually hear, uh, especially when it comes to like executive searches from companies all across the state. When we're engaging with my HR roundtable and our corporate leaders here, we really don't find that to be as frequent of a, a voice concern as we do in other parts of the state. They they really are able to market that quality of life that we have, the you know, amenities, the, the roundabouts. I mean, you know, right. like all the all the little things that make it great. The schools, the um, schools, the restaurants, and, and the really sporting. see, yeah, and and see and see a great return. Um, so from a from a white collar talent attraction standpoint, we know we've got a great product to sell. And, and so far, you know, those efforts um, and really just the communities at large have been very successful in continuing to grow that workforce. So not only are you trying to grow the workforce to Hamilton County from inside the state, but outside the state, correct? Attracting yeah, so a lot of our, our marketing and talent attraction that we do uh, historically has all been outside of the state. Okay. Um, we, we really haven't put any effort towards, um, bringing talent in from other parts of Indiana. Um, I will say that does happen. That is our largest in migration, you know, Marion County in particular, you know, we import, you know, thousands of people every year move from Marion County to Hamilton County, a you know, slightly less, but also thousands of people, you know, about half that amount also move from Hamilton County back to Marion County. So we do see kind of some, some trading of borders there as well. Um, but we, we definitely bring in people from, from all across the state. Uh, and, but our, our primary deliverable there as an entity is focused on getting high wage, high demand talent from across the country to recognize what we have here um, and work with partners to kind of expand that labor force. So you're working with a group called TMAP that is also helping kind of with that data management, the recruitment um, specifically, correct? Yeah, so we've been working with TMAP for a couple of years, uh, and we have seen some return from that project. I think the, the biggest thing that we actually were able to do was work in partnership with our local high schools and help them identify, I believe at the end of the day, it was still about 21,000 alumni of theirs who had moved out of state um, that we were able to identify data on um, to potentially target to move back here. Um, we've had some success targeting that population, um, but we also know that right now, as you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career? Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. 
Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Thought about podcasting? The All Indiana Podcast Network can help you create, produce, and distribute your podcast for businesses, churches, organizations, or just for fun. Get the details when you email contact at allindianapodcast.com. That's going to be a little bit less of a concern moving into this pandemic, post-pandemic, whatever world we're in in 2021 and 2022. We know that right now, that's not where our companies are hurting quite as much. So we're going to continue that project in some form or fashion. But what we're hearing from businesses is really that we need to focus here and now on where they're falling short and kind of the the pain points that they're having, um, which isn't going to be met by uh, even a very successful white collar um, out of state recruitment. Okay. So dig, dig a little bit deeper into, you know, you said the kids coming out of high school and moving away, that's not the quite the recruitment. You're looking for the white collar. Is that just the education? You're not looking for kids two to four, five years out of high school. You're looking for people that are 10 years out of college. So there's, there's definitely that in that most companies where they're feeling the pain point is more experienced professionals. That's being driven largely by you know, retirements, early retirements brought on through COVID. We're seeing just, just that is, if you can ask people, you know, I think what is really driving the labor shortage, that's, if you look at the data, that is the primary thing, you know, across the country right now, we've seen about, I think there's about three, a little over 3 million million more people who have left the labor force and are not going to come back uh, comparative to this time in 2019. 90% of those people are over the age of 55. Uh, And so if you think about who's leaving and not coming back, the vast majority of those people are either potential or early retirees. And so as those people retire, they're not retiring from entry-level positions. Yeah, that's true. Um, And and as you move people up the chain, um, you know, everybody's able to kind of have, this is a period of upward mobility and and it's creating a lot of economic mobility for a lot of individuals. but where companies really need to fill those roles now is, okay, we've got some managers that we've moved into director level positions. We've got directors that we're moving into executive positions. And right now the entry level professionals are able to move up into some of those manager roles, but we need more people to fill those manager and director roles. So that definitely is, is a key concern, but where we see more at a hyper local level for us as an economic development corporation, we have t- about twice or a little bit more than twice the number of bachelors or higher educated professionals than we do local jobs for them. So when it comes to our local population demographics in Hamilton County, what we see is when somebody's looking for somebody with that bachelor's degree, that master's degree, there's currently talent that lives in this community that's driving or commuting outside of the community to go work. So the idea of them getting closer to home for their job is an easy sell, especially with, you know, benefits and signing bonuses and all those things being what they right. are today. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so getting that really high skill, high wage talent um, that's super highly educated to move hyper local is not the pain point for at least our local employers um, within our economy. Where we're seeing our biggest struggles is we have about 
four times the amount of jobs for people that have a high school diploma or less than we do people with that populate with that educational demographic. So as we bring businesses in, as we continue to expand our service sector economy, as we build great restaurants, great hotels, great quality of life, all of these things require, and even things like childcare, home health aids, you name it, it all requires people who are able to live and, and be a part of this community. And right now, because the labor shortage is so hyper-local, that talent is able to find in its same way jobs closer to home. Yeah. So normally exactly. we'd be importing that talent from a lot from Marion County, a lot from Tipton, a lot from Madison, and a lot from Boone. Um, and right now those counties are also seeing the same labor struggles. So that talent is able to find jobs closer to home, um, which uh, can cause some um, disruptions, especially among our like our service sector and supporting um economy. Those are all great comments. And I, I like the fact that it seems like every experience level is able to find something in Hamilton County, whether it's right out of high school, the retail workers, the construction workers, or white collar. With Fishers having all the bioscience park, they're going to need a lot of a lot more very experienced bio people. I like what you're doing. Yeah, the uh, the that bioscience stuff going on over there, the insurance and uh, kind of financial sector work going on in Carmel, um, and then it, as well, some of the, the science and tech work being done in Westfield and Noblesville is just going to be just continuing to boom and continue to expand. Their corporate attraction just continues to just excel. Uh, and I think where we're going to come along and really be supporting is with, you know, making sure that as those companies come in, the quality of life amenities are there to really support that population growth. Things like broadband and housing are available to continue to support that corporate attraction and that when businesses come, they can recognize we can be able to provide high quality of lo life locally for the recent college grad that they're hiring, as well as the executive or you know director level hire that they may be bringing in as well. So let's talk a little bit more about the high school level. I know Hamilton Heights has a great program, and we had uh, Dr. Arrowwood and Carrie Lively on to talk about what Hamilton Heights is doing in the construction uh, industry with their with their classes in high school. They're able to then get college credits at Vincent's or Ivy Tech. Uh, you also spoke with Carrie Lively. Carrie Lively is the executive director at the Hamilton County Center for Career Achievement. So her job is to work really within all the high schools in Hamilton County and make sure that that career technical education process is being fulfilled across all of the campuses. And she's trying not to come up with a building per se, but if you want to do auto body, you'll go to Noblesville and Colon areas at Westfield. And then the construction is at um, Hamilton Heights. And you did a presentation along with her kind of talking about that same thing in, in the high school uh, aspect, right? Uh, yeah. I, so we, uh, Carrie actually is, um, that project is being incubated by the Economic Development Corporation. So Carrie is a part of our team. And okay. we, I just, it's really awesome working with her. Um, yeah, the county council, when they provided some of the seed funding for this, we needed somewhere to, for that to be housed while it got up and running. So that way, you know, somebody like great people like Carrie, other employees that were going to be onboarding for that project in the coming years, they could have things like benefits and, uh, <laughs> HR support and technology support and you know office space and all of those things. So um, we're providing that support for the Center for Career Achievement um, soon to hopefully be renamed. Uh, and we're <laughs> really excited about the uh, just all the all the prospects for what's going on with that. And I think one of the things to point out too is our goal with that 
is to keep students as hyper local as humanly possible. So it just won't be it won't be that there's just a construction program in Hamilton Heights. It'll be that there's a construction program at every single high school that wants one that's connected to high wage, high demand credentials and that is able to, you know, really move with those students and be coordinated from an employer standpoint. So uh, there there will be some students who are going from, let's say, Sheridan to Hamilton Heights or Westfield to Hamilton Heights. You know, there might be some some mobility for those students who don't have enough local demand to drive a class at their high school. But if a high school, let's say, you know, if 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 Carmel, if Noblesville, if uh, if Hamilton Heights, if Westfield fills a class on their own, our goal is that that stays as hyper local as possible because we know enrollment is driven by how close to their school uh, a class is offered. And one of the biggest benefits is going to be for employers that it's going to centralize employer engagement across the county for these programs. So if you're a construction employer who's interested in, let's say, participating in a, a modern apprenticeship program, you know, with Carrie and with the, the local high schools, you don't have to build an independent operating arrangement and a new program with every single high school in the county to get one or two kids. You can build one relationship with Carrie and with that program and instead have one, one agreement and arrangement that Carrie operates all the logistics and, and her team coordinates all of those things. And you're able to source students from multiple schools into your apprenticeship program with just one relationship that you have to maintain. Um, and so from an employer standpoint, that's going to centralize and streamline engagement just in a really great way for our local businesses. Um, and it won't just be even construction. You know, we're, we're launching right. a new manufacturing partnership in the spring. We're launching healthcare partnerships um, all the time. Um, but I think as we look back on it, the work that Carrie and Eric um, and, and you know, Chris Price and all those people did up in Hamilton Heights with, Der- with Dr. Arrowwood. Um, is an amazing blueprint for how this can work. Um, we're we're just so happy with that program. Yeah, and it is important to comment that it's not just construction. It is even coding um, for for IT and that type of thing. Uh, healthcare. Uh, I talk to a lot of executives in the construction world, and and we firmly believe that getting kids involved in the construction industry and in the high school is is going to be vital in the next. I don't even know how long it's emergent right now uh, that it needs to be done right now. And so we like what you guys are doing in Hamilton County and, and, and seeing the benefits of that immediately is impressive. Well, and you think about the work that has been done, you know, with, I think I would venture to say the construction industry is one of the most progressive with going into schools. I remember back when I was with, you know, the construction roundtable, we had the build your future program that we eventually teamed up with. The Builders Association on that was in high schools all across the state. And when you look at, um, I mean, that started back in, I want to say 2015. And when that having been rolling for a couple of years now, you know, construction is the third largest growing sector. It's over since 2015 to 2021, construction is the third largest growing sector in our state, um, you know, paying an average of $73,000 a year in median jobs. So, you know, that's, um, I think just one case study where you can show that, you know, those kids being exposed at that time and, and those things going on at that time, it played a role in helping to drive more employment to construction. Um, there's a lot of other things that have too, such as our vibrant building environment and the right. amazing work of our construction companies and all the demand there's a that's lot out going there. on. Yeah, there's a lot of building going on and we love it. Um, but I think all of that stuff coming alongside each other just shows how 
executive-led corporate engagement in high schools and in non-traditional hiring programs alike um, can really make a big difference in, in expanding an industry and, and meeting some needs. So with your work at Hamilton County and Carrie's work um, through the high schools, are, are you talking to other counties within the state? Uh, are they Is this a program that you kind of see that could be replicated in other counties or other counties already doing um, some of this? Or uh, how do you see that working across statewide? So Carrie gets calls all the time uh, to go tell up, you know, help another county do exactly what she's doing. Um, and and we're, we're so grateful for that. Uh, all that interest and, and so support from so many state partners. Um, we know that for us right now, we're just, we're working primarily to just get it to work here first. <laughs> right. Then, okay. And then we can go, and then we can go help other people, you know, do the same thing. Um, I think one thing that's unique is definitely in a lot of other parts of the state, uh, especially the more rural you get, you kind of have like one central anchor industry in many cases, but also one central like municipality that kind of is like your, you know, there's Fort Wayne, there's Jasper, there's, um, you know, uh, Evansville, Jeffersonville, there's, there's Evansville. They have like one place that's like the anchor of it. Uh, and for us, we have, um, at least four of those, you know, that, that, you know, between Westfield, Noblesville, Carmel and Fishers that are all really just economically just driving right now um, and growing at a really fast pace. So I think it'll be really interesting to see in four to five years, how this all looks. Right. I know it's going to be great, um, especially with Carrie involved um, and with all the local industry interests we've had, she has business leaders reaching out to her all the time. Uh, about just how they can get involved and how they can partner. Um, and I, I know that with that support and the support of our cities, you know, and our county, we're going to have some really great stuff. But uh, we're, our focus right now is primarily on getting ourselves to the point where this is really active right. prior to expanding it. Get your residents working and get your residents to stay in Hamilton County um, is one of the main, couple of the big main goals, correct? And yeah, and even if they even if they do move away, the fact that they can move back, you know. So if, if you yeah. think about all the lo- all the high schoolers, for anybody that's listening, think about the high schoolers you engage with. Think about how many of them could name five businesses that are connected to what they want to do for work. Yeah, good and point. It's probably not many. I would venture I maybe ten yeah. percent of high school seniors could name five businesses and what they plan to major on in college. Um, <laughs> and that's a big deal when it comes to attracting people back to our community is that they don't know in many cases what our local businesses do or how strong they are. And so I, I intimately recall, you know, growing up in Detroit, uh, it's a little different in that obviously the auto industry is the 500 pound gorilla um, sure. in a scale that doesn't truly doesn't exist in, in central Indiana. Um, but GM would sponsor courses in my own high school that were then, you know, CAD labs and things like that, where they had engagement with industry professionals. And, but you also knew that all these people that you were around who had good lives worked in engineering or worked for a GM, worked for Ford, worked for Chrysler, or worked for a supplier of theirs in some form or fashion. Um, And obviously that won't be directly connected to one industry in the same way here. But if we can get young people more exposed to local businesses, then all of a sudden, 
even if it's when they're two to three years out of graduation, we can do things like market to them through big data and say, hey, it's a great time to come back to Hamilton County. Here's five businesses that might be interested in you. And they'll go, oh, okay. I remember those yeah, names. I remember. I know, I know what those companies do. Um, and maybe then they'll be at a point as well where the uh, the cost of living will start to create a bigger balance in, oh, good point. You know, in their lives. That's um, huge. Because I know from back when I was, uh, I, I had a lot of these conversations a lot with individuals at construction companies across the state when they were looking to hire construction managers from Purdue or from, you know, uh, uh, Ball State or from, um, but most of them, I remember Purdue conversations where they'd say, well, you know, these, these young people are getting offers for 10 to $15,000 higher or $20,000 even higher to go live in New York city or go live in Chicago or go live in, you know, Denver or go live in Austin and go live in these places that they, they want to go live. They're not realizing that that's not a competitive salary compared to our 20 grand lower offer here. Um, point. Which it is. I mean, their it cost is. of I, living in the other communities are just that much higher that it takes that much more. Right. I, I mean, any most of us would have to make about two and a half to three times more to go live in any of those places that I mentioned and have a comparable quality of life. Uh, and so that's where our our big data targeting has been very successful is is finding people who are starting to become moving towards that first time homebuyer phase. Right. Maybe they're thinking about starting to have a family. Um or maybe they're looking to go from entry level to mid career, and all of a sudden that uh, that calculation in their head starts to actually work. Where we say, "Oh, like we're we're a great cheap place to live, where you can have amazing quality of life," um, and uh, that's I think going to be a big sell for our community in the future. I totally agree. And then what I've seen also are those college bachelor. Um, kids with bachelor's degrees have gone off for four or five years, and then it's time to come back home, be closer to the family. And, and it's a big draw. It's a big draw to come back and, and both when there's a good quality of life and family nearby, right before you buy that first home or start that family. Yeah, we're, we really, we believe in that. Um, and I think we're, we're going to continue to sell Hamilton County and we're also going to continue to work to sell, I think, Indianapolis as a whole when we look at how we can get people to move back here. Because we know from our data that if we get people to move to the Indy region uh, and they want to find, you know, a great place to live, chances are we win. In that we equation. win. I, I totally uh, agree. So when you're doing your workforce training, education processes, do you ever get into um, substance misuse or mental health education along with that? Or is that kind of a side thing? Uh, so when my, in my previous occupation, when I was with the Indiana Chamber, that was actually all I was doing uh, as director of Indiana Workforce Recovery. I was working with for the chamber in coordination with um, the, the governor's office to help businesses with the impact of substance misuse on their employees and build recovery-friendly workplace programs. Um, and then also just connect mental health systems to um, workforce development systems, because those are often very disconnected. Um, and here locally now, we're going to be doing a pretty good amount of that. Um, I, don't, I don't recall when this will go live, but um, probably by the time it does, we'll have um, a series of quarterly mental health first aid trainings that we're going to be doing with our local chambers. Um, and, and with Mental Health America of Indiana, 
Uh, and that's going to be a really great ad for businesses. Um, normally that costs, you know, around 300 to $500. We're going to be providing it for, I think, 50 um, oh, wow. for any business that wants to that's attend. Amazing. Um, and uh, we've been able to do that with the support of our county government um, because we know that that is going to be really important for people uh, as the pandemic continues to wage on and we we navigate the great resignation and, and all these changes we know that an individual's relationship with their supervisor has very significant impacts on their mental health and well-being and on their physical health uh and it also is the, a primary if not the primary indicator of whether or not they will leave a position um and in totally many cases agree. now in totally many cases agree. now people just want to change and uh and a lot of that's being driven by the fact that they those relationships have either deteriorated they're having more and more workload put on them and they don't feel like the job they're doing now is the job they were hired to do or the job that they thrived in pre-pandemic um and they're looking to kind of renegotiate that responsibility and so everything we can do to help businesses with that is going to be key to our retaining talent keeping it local and helping businesses meet their needs um and so i think our our local companies can look forward to a lot of uh, supervisor trainings and mental health first aids and a number of programs like that uh, coming down the pipeline you know, over the course of the next couple of years. That's great. I'm glad you guys are doing that. I think that that is vital as well. And with that great resignation, it doesn't take a lot. And the COVID doesn't take a lot to people start going down some dark paths. And it's good for the employers to be able to recognize that and be able to help um, people through that when, when that may happen. And I've got to give kudos to the construction industry as a whole, you know, in the state, because um, we've seen their ability to retain talent and employ it year round, you know, has grown by leaps and bounds um, over the course of the last six years. Um, you know, I know when, when we were working uh, a lot with DWD on construction related programming, one of the big things they would always say is, you know, hey, like, we know this is a high wage, high demand job, but it also is a job that drives seasonal unemployment. That would be a big detriment to the to the industry when it was pursuing um, funding, more aggressive approved training programs or, or anything of that kind in coordination with our state partners. Um, and they've, the industry has done an amazing job over the course of the last couple of years reining that in. In 2017, there were about 50,000 people, I believe, who were unemployed at kind of the peak January month, I think it was, you know, down in the summer of that year, that number goes down to about 12,000. There's a big uh, valley, hill, peak and valley um, curve with unemployment driven by through the con for construction workers. But in 2021, that height only got to 31,000. So it's about 20,000 people less, you know, which is, it's almost, almost half of what it was six years ago when you think about that peak. And every year, that peak has gone down even through the pandemic, which I think is remarkable. Um, and the the low end of the, the valley of it has also gotten deeper. You know, it went from about 12,000 people in the summer of 2017 to 9,000 people in the summer of 2021. Uh, and when you combine that with an industry that's grown by 11,000 jobs over the course of that period, you're seeing an industry that's growing. You're also seeing workers retained better and they're making a median income of $73,000 a year. I mean, these are all the reasons that I sell construction all the time, but it's also yeah. so cool to see the industry be so progressive about some things. And, you know, I, I work with a lot of construction companies on like the substance misuse and workplace well-being stuff. And 
the number of companies that I went to in construction who were hiring wellness managers, doing yeah. on-site yoga, bringing like bands in over lunch breaks, <laughs> you know, like doing all sorts of stuff like that. Like, like that, it, there were a lot of them doing it. It was pretty cool. You know, it's like, yeah, like, all right, like you guys are, you guys are into it. And uh, I think from a stigma standpoint, that's not what a lot of people expect of a construction company. You know, they think that it's going to be, you know, Right. Like on site yoga is not something they picture a bunch of, you know, electricians doing in the morning, you know. That's uh, exactly right. <laughs> you get back to work. You're wasting time. No, go right. do yoga. No, I've seen a lot of groups, uh, maybe more in the design industry, where they're bringing in massage tables and at lunch and, and giving their employees uh, massages you know, during the workday. So throughout the county, if people are having a uh, demand for jobs, they can reach out to you and kind of talk through it and you can kind of help them see where there might be some people to help them out. So it's, you know, not only construction, but it's manufacturing and healthcare and, and what it coding, it's everything, right? They, anybody can reach out to you and kind of talk this through and, and see how you can help them provide that labor um, shortcomings, shortfalls uh, that they may have. Yeah, I'm happy to help anybody um, with these things. And, and oftentimes what I look at is just conversion charts for people and seeing, you know, kind of from the recruitment practices that you have, where are your uh, lowest rates of conversion and how can we help build better systems to do okay. that? So for example, what are your show rates for interviews? What is your retention metrics from three months to uh, one month to three months and then higher to one month? Um, and then what is your show rate on day one? And then kind of thinking about all of those things, how can we improve those areas of maximum impact? Thinking about kind of that six-month retention mark as the goal. If we can okay. retain somebody for six months, right? like we're, we're doing something right, um, especially with entry-level employment. But really with, I mean, with any job, you, the goal is to, you know, at least six months, you want to keep them there. Yeah, um, absolutely. The amount of so training goes from, into, you need them. Right. Working from that as like kind of the end game metric, back in increments all the way through the job posting process and the interview process. How can we improve metrics across the board and where are those areas for singular impact? And I will be honest, in most meetings with most employers, especially those that are struggling to fill a job, I usually can identify something within about you know an hour of just diving into the data with them to say, here's one area that let's focus on in the next couple of weeks and see if we can get a couple of jobs filled. I think another thing that we've seen some success with is helping meet job openings that are being filled in untraditional ways, whether it's, you know, helping people build relationships with reentry, with recovery homes, with uh, food banks, with, you know, any type of service sector nonprofit in the community, we can help be an intermediary that drives these one-on-one -on -one relationships in a way that provides them with a consistent candidate pool for, certain types of open positions because so one of the things that I think is most important that I talk to businesses about all the time is some of your jobs are not meant to for people to sit in Mo like a lot of these entry-level jobs are meant to have people move through if oh, you yeah. retain them right. for two years and you do a great job training them and and supporting them over a two-year period for most of these jobs and then they leave that's fine as long as you know you're going to have them for two years so change the mindset from let's get let's hire somebody in at $12 an hour or $15 an hour and keep them as long as possible to let's hire people for about a two-year period to a three-year period, 
get them as good at this job as they can possibly be, but also provide them with the supports that it takes for them to move into whatever their next position is, whether that's with us or whether it's with somebody else. Um, and that's where I, so I work with a lot of local nonprofits and the mentality I take is the one I've always taken with anybody that has ever come in and worked for a part of my team, which is in year one, we're going to give you training to get you as good at this job as you need to be. In year two, by the time year two comes around, I want you to tell me what you want to do next. And your training in year two is going to be all about getting you prepared for whatever that next thing is in your life. And if after that you want to stay here or we have opportunities to move upwards, yay. If not, and you halfway through year two, tell me like, hey, Mike, you know what? Like, I'm going to go do something else, you know, and here's my time frame for when I'm going to start searching for a job. I will write you a glowing letter of recommendation and I will help you have the professional development and the time you need to pursue that next opportunity. Um, because the fact is, is that when, when a group like Walmart will pay for 100% of any major surgery, almost, provide you with stock options and give you, frankly, a ridiculous benefits package at on hire with a $15, 15 to $17 an hour starting wage, and you're working indoors for consistent hours, I mean, that's yeah, what that's important. That's great. With. Those are all great comments. And I love the fact that you're trying to um, transition them through their process and, and help them grow as people. So not only are you helping the employers by finding them people, but you're also helping to to get the workforce to transition through. And, and, and in a way, it certainly makes way for more people to come in and transition right behind them and, and keep, you know, the better all the workforce is, the better the community is. And word of mouth is the number one recruitment method, always. Always, always, that's, absolutely. That's always how you're going to find your best your best people are going to hear about your job from somebody else. Um, and so anything you can do to build that positive experience, especially a first one that's really positive, the more and more those people will reshare your job applications as it goes on. They'll forward it to other people in their network, you know, when, when asked and or if they see it on social media uh, and it just creates a sense of goodwill. Um, and I think that, you know, that's where we can work with companies and really figure out how to maximize those processes and better retain or at least provide a really high quality experience for talent. Um, and I, and I'll, I mean, I, I even remember back when I was at ICR, you know, there were construction groups. Like I remember in particular Messer would have this internal mentoring program that they did with this right. Messer Absolutely. University. It wasn't called Messer University, but this whole that theory, that process. Yeah. And it was like, that was mind blowing to me at the time. Um, and I know a number of other companies have started doing that stuff. The, the prevalence of uh, ESOPs within, um, you know, you got the industry has been just fantastic to see. I know um, you guys had Kevin Hunt on a while ago and, and yep. he was talking about that. Um, and what Shield's doing there is great. Um, and uh, I think all those things are just going to continue to drive value um, for a growing industry. We also see that not only as general contractors, but electricians, the Urmcos, the Electric Plus, the uh, Gaylers, they all have their schools of mentorship, of training, trying to get kids right out of um, school, right out of high school to come work in those workforces and train them, train them up, train them to um, not only just be at what apprentices to move into foreman leadership positions and, and uh, it, it's, it's works out really well for them. Our goal is just to continue to drive at a local level that 
you know, there is a wide diversity of careers that people can have and live good lives and make sure that that is something that anybody can do, but also that they can, especially for the kids, we just need to make it okay for kids to try stuff. Whenever you engage with focus groups of high school students, their number one fear is that some decision they'll make in their high school years will pigeonhole them or, you know, all of a sudden, oh, if they join this club or they take this AP course that it's, uh, it's going to decide their entire future. And the reality is, is that like, that should be a time where if you know what you're going to do, that you can get some credits towards it and stuff like that. But also we're like, just because you participate. If you do construction 101, you know, an intro to construction class, it might just be because you like to build stuff or work with tools. It doesn't have to be because you want to do this for your whole life, you know, when you're in eighth grade, you know, like we, we need to make that okay. And I think that's going to be a big part of Carrie's rebranding that she's undergoing right now um, that she's working with people on is just making all of this stuff fun for kids to just try so they can recognize what they do and don't like and what they find meaning in. Um, and so I, I, I'm really, I'm excited to see if we can find a way to make that work at a local level. You know, our CTE enrollment is relatively high in our community, but it doesn't necessarily reflect always our employer needs. And so, um, yeah, that'll be good to see driven. Yeah. I like that. I like that comment. High school does need to be a time to explore careers and figure out what they like shadow a little bit more, um, mentor all that. All right. So. You are finishing up some more education of your own, right? You're going to be graduating the O'Neill School of Public Environmental Affairs. How's that going? It's good. I uh, I'm just taking one class at a time. Uh, I I have a I have a two and a half year old daughter and a nine month old daughter, so adding grad school onto that plate is a little uh, intense. Um, but I so I'm just doing one class at a time. But I'll be done next fall with my uh, with a certificate program that I'm doing for nonprofit management. So oh, I'm, very nice. Um, I'm enjoying that process and I, I just love learning. And I yep. also just, I nerd out on such weird stuff. I just finished an HR course that I loved. And, and this spring I'm starting a financial management track that I, uh, I'm sure based on how much I love Excel that I, I will enjoy it. And I mean, that, <laughs> I mean that, and I mean that seriously, I'm not being, I'm not being like uh, sarcastic or facetious. I do authentically enjoy that, which is Funny enough, that's what I tell like some of my mentees and people I, you know, young people I work with, they're like, I want to run a nonprofit. I'm like, okay, how much do you like budgeting? Yeah, exactly. If, if not, if not at all, this may not be the job you want. And, and asking for money. Are you good with asking yeah, right. for money? Yeah. How much do you love money and how much do you love, you know, money and people? That's really like, that's what it takes to be able to, to run an organization. Yeah, that's right. um, so um, fortunately, I enjoy both of those things. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Oh, that's great. All right. So now I got three questions to ask you that are not so serious. Get to know you a little bit better. Um, the first one is what is your favorite book or a book you're reading now? Uh, so my favorite book is Dune by Frank Herbert. Uh, okay. A book I'm reading right now is The King Killer Chronicles by uh, George Rothfuss, I believe is the name of the author. Uh, and I'm on book two of that. Uh, there he hasn't come out with book three yet, but it's a fantastic fantasy read. Okay, so Dune that was the movie that just came out this fall, right? So, yeah, that's kind of what the precursor to the Star Wars um trilogies or, or movies. Is that what Not I'm a, hearing? No, no, I'm not totally a, wrong. Not at all. But, oh, wow. I mean, like, okay. yeah, like I, I don't. 
my like my like good nerd brain. I don't know if I could just be be nice and let that slide. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's okay. They're, they're not they're not Let related. Um, oh, okay. I am a huge I am a huge Star Wars fan. That's like my like uh, that's my fandom. I like R two D two is my favorite character, and I have his middle tool from his tool belt is the sapphire on my wedding design of my wedding ring. Uh, oh, very nice. So it's uh it's a pretty deep um it's a pretty deep yeah. fandom. Well, there. I didn't that's... mean to offend you by saying that Dune was part of Star Wars. <laughs> I thought I was told that once upon a time. <laughs> uh, I had I just yeah, I, I could I just couldn't let that I could That's okay. It I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to tell me. That's how I learned. Um so what is the book again and and what is the book about? Uh King Killer Chronicles is a story of um a uh a young man who learns i magic and sword play and all sorts of things while navigating a very intense and tough life it is not a uh cheerful uh like uplifting single story but it's very complex great characters a lot of gray moral gray areas and things like that that make something a really dynamic read so i uh i'm really enjoying that very nice. I'll pick that up. I, I, I love reading books, so I I will take that recommendation and uh, and I'll pick that up. So the second question is something that you're snobby about. No, you're not that snobby um, about anything, so, but maybe Star Wars. Star Wars. I, so Star Wars is for sure a thing I'm a little snobby about. Uh, <laughs> I, I think uh, a lot of times, so I, I think food in a very weird way i so i really okay. like have really nice quality ingredients i like don't like to buy a lot of frozen food which is I, I think a challenge in my current stage of life where i have little kids and have to prep meals really quickly yeah. um and I, and I have a really weird it's a really weird type of snobbiness where like i subscribe to all these like charcuterie clubs and do all these things to get good oh, really really, okay. really nice meats and stuff like that but at the same time, like I also love pepperoni hot pockets, and so <laughs> I, I don't, I I don't know how like those Guilty two pleasure. things. Yeah, like I don't know how both those things can like exist. You know, being a food snob and liking like something like that. But uh, that's <laughs> oh yeah, you have to have a at. guilty pleasure in there. Yeah, it, right. You have to have something to fall back into. <laughs> All right, the third question is as this is the new year, um, do you have any New Year's resolutions? Are you a New Year's resolution person? Not everybody is into that. Um, and so where do you fall in New Year's resolutions? So I haven't gotten into them in a long time. Uh, and mostly that's because I, so like I, I'm, a, I'm a person in long-term recovery from addiction. So I like have a lot of like self uh, help, he, you know, consistent self-evaluation going on in my life. Some that good structure there. Of, good. Yeah. A part of that program and the stuff that I do, I journal every evening. Um, nice. and so I have, I read a book a long time ago called the 11 week year, which is where you set goals on an 11 week time frame for pretty much anything in your life, professional, personal, and you evaluate and, and adapt and grow those goals based on that general time frame. Um, and so with my journaling, that's kind of what I stick to is kind of 11 week increments for any goals. You know, sometimes it's like, yeah, like don't snack before bed. Uh, yeah. And other times no it's hot like, pockets before bed. Right. Yeah. No hot pockets at 9 PM. Um, 
and, <laughs> uh, and other times it's just like, Hey, I want to like shave two strokes off my golf game. You know, like it's very nice. It's all, it's all over the place personally. Uh, so, um, but that's kind of my focus is I, I do it on shorter increments. I do goals throughout the year. Okay. I've heard of the 12 week book. There's one that I just heard of where it's do more in 12 weeks than you can do all year or something like that. So it seems like that goes right along that 11 week process to plan everything in the 11 weeks. I like that big goal guy, but maybe not a new year resolution type planning. Big goals. I, I just never like, they never happen. I don't know. I, if I like, if I set tiny achievable things, then I get little wins uh, yeah. versus like, then you I'm going to celebrate eat carbs this year or something like that. It's just like, well, like I failed that on day three. So obviously this is just not going to happen. But yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. That's what New Year's resolutions end up being. Well, Mike, I really appreciate your time. I love everything you're doing for the community, for yourself, for your family. Uh, thank you for being on. Yeah. I, I love my construction people. I like, I will say those are the most resilient and some of the highest quality relationships I've ever developed working with employers. I still see people all the time in my new role and in my last role that I met from back when I was with ICR. Uh, and I, it's always great to see them. So I, um, I'm excited that we reconnected uh, and I'm always happy yeah. to reconnect with anybody who wants to, because I, I love this industry. Um, and I mostly love just the people who are in it. So it was great to be here. You've been listening to In Construction Influencers with Nate Lelly, the leader for Indiana Construction and Real Estate Development News. If you have questions or ideas for this podcast, please email me at the email nate at natelelly.com. That's N-A-T-E at N-A-T-E-L-E-L-L-E dot com. And thanks for listening.